Sports Podcast, presented by the Columbia Daily Tribune. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Mizzou Sports Podcast. My name is Eric Blum. Joining me for this episode is the new prep writer from the Columbia Daily Tribune, Langston Newsom. How are you doing, Langston? Doing fantastic. How about yourself? I'm doing all right. Um, obviously, uh, we've had about a five and a half month layoff since our last podcast uh just full transparency we the tribune moved again we, we moved from where our location was on fourth street to the basement of that building now that building is a school and we are moving across ash street to our new location uh in the process of moving it took a little while to get everything set up and once we set everything up um or attempted to at least uh the coronavirus pandemic hit and we haven't been in the office altogether since so we when when, when you're producing a podcast you know it's imperative that, you know, you only put out the best version because you're in complete control of what you put out publicly. Uh, and this seemed like a perfect opportunity this week to come back and do it not only with summer being kind of in full effect and you want, you know, and just, you know, stories and games are obviously not happening right now. But in this episode, we'll be talking to uh, Missouri head, head men's basketball coach Conzo Martin, um, and he will be our special guest, and we'll uh, get to that in just a little while. But before we get any further, I, I thought I'd give Blanks on the opportunity here uh, just to introduce yourself to making your first, your Mizzou Sports Podcast debut. Just introduce yourself to the folks of Podcast Land. Uh, yeah, well, uh, like I already said, my name is Blanks Newsom. I uh, graduated from the University of Missouri uh, December 2019, had been working for the Tribune freelancing for a few months, and then came on after graduation. Uh, had a blast so far. Uh, the Columbia area really cares about sports high school sports in a way that I just couldn't relate coming from Tampa, Florida. They're just not really the care and the amount of attention paid to high school sports. And it was really having a blast with uh, basketball season and wrestling as well. And then, you know, before COVID was really gearing up for uh, baseball and uh, girls soccer in the spring and then everything happens. And so now we're here, you know, nearly three months after um, CPS closed, I believe March 18th. Uh, summer ball is back. Uh, CPS and schools around Boone County are beginning their off-season summer contact, and we're starting to see, you know, a new normalcy, a new kind of reality for high school athletics. And I'm excited to kind of be at the forefront of that in, you know, in Columbia and Boone County, and continue to give coverage to our readership. Yeah, for sure. Um, our, you know, just obviously a quick catch-up since last time we talked to you. The last time we talked to you was before bragging rights. Um, obviously, Mizzou won the Bragg and Rice game for the second straight year, uh, and then were the 10 seed going into the SEC tournament after going 7-11 and 11 in conference play, but the conference tournament um, obviously never happened. I was in Nashville when um, everything kind of just shut down, and you had the press conference with Greg Sankey, and sports haven't returned since. I mean, I mean, just even when we were just talking off recording, uh, Woj just announced that the NBA is slated to you know, return at the end of July, and my favorite team, the Washington Wizards, are the worst of the 22 teams that are going to continue to play. Uh, and, you know, I think the uh, Orlando Magic, or the, would be the eight seed traditionally in the Eastern Conference, are like are, are in, but they're not the 21st worst team. I think there's a collection of teams in the uh, Eastern Conference that, uh, or sorry, in the Western Conference that actually are in between the Wizards and 
the next best team in the East. In, in Phoenix, San Antonio, Sacramento, New Orleans, and and Portland are all, all are all right there. So sports are returning slowly but surely. Uh, I don't see any reason to further delay. We can talk about you know what's going on at Mizzou after Conzo. I know that's probably the reason a lot of you are listening here. So without further ado, here is my conversation from earlier today with Missouri head men's basketball coach Conzo Martin. Before we get to Conzo, one more thing. The Mizzou Sports Podcast is brought to you by Zaxby's, the home of handmade-to-order chicken, salads, and more than a dozen mild-to-wild sauces. Stop by your neighborhood Zaxby's today. Joining the Mizzou Sports Podcast this time is the head coach of Missouri men's basketball, Conzo Martin. How are you doing, sir? I'm doing fine, Eric. How are you doing? I'm doing I'm doing good. Uh, first off, just thanks for taking the time. I know your schedule is busy this day these days, so just thank you for taking the time to speak with us, and we'll and we'll make sure to uh, uh, keep it as brief as possible because I know you have plenty of people who want to talk to you these days for obvious reasons. But first off, kind of give me a, a broad update. How are you doing? How's the family? How's the team? Oh, I'm doing fine, man. You're just taking one day at a time. And again, you take your time. We, I mean, I give you all the time you need. It's not a problem at all. But doing fine. Family's well. Uh, I'm trying to get my between my four to nine mile walks in a day, depending on how the body's feeling. But things are you know, moving forward. Uh, our players should be fine. You know, with this uh, the COVID virus, I gather it's like eleven weeks now, maybe twelve weeks. Uh, so just pretty much Zoom calls twice a week, checking uh, up on FaceTime calls, regular calls uh, with the staff, and just um, you know making sure they're doing the right things. But so far, so good. I know it might get lost, kind of in the shelf of everything going on in the world right now, but, I mean, voluntary workouts could pot- are allowed to start for you guys on Monday, June 8th, by the SEC. So what exactly does that look like for Missouri men's basketball with the degree that you'll be involved? I, I think it's still a slow process. So all of our guys will be on, on campus uh, if they're willing to come back. Now, some guys might say, well, Coach, I just don't feel comfortable with coming back, and that's fine with me, uh, um, you know, just with the virus and that sort of thing. So I, I have no problem with that at all. I mean, that's still right because uh, I would rather have those guys in a, in a place of comfort than to come back and, and not be comfortable. But but right now, from the basketball standpoint, we're allowed to start up June 8th. But I think there will be a two-week period of uh, really trying to test drive, if you will, or how it works with our strength coach. But it's all voluntary workouts uh, in the weight room. So, uh, so I can't be in the weight room. We have four players in the weight room with our strength coach, Nicodemus. I can't be, and I can look at it from the outside, and then they'll rotate out a different door. Then I think there's a 15, 20-minute grace period where they clean up the equipment, and then a new four comes in. But, again, it's all voluntary. So if the guy doesn't show up or he missed, that's not a problem because, again, it's voluntary. As far as the basketball is concerned right now, uh, they're, they're really not allowed to do anything on the basketball floor. So they're probably doing more at home or wherever they are than they would be allowed to do for precautionary reasons, and I certainly understand it. So um, that's where we stand right now. Uh, so we'll see how it goes. But, again, it's a, it's, a, it's a delicate process. Even with the guys in the weight, I mean, the locker room, it might just be allowed to have maybe four guys or three guys in the locker room. And by the time those guys transition out, a great period to wipe things down, and a new four comes in the locker room. Gotcha, and uh, let's just get into kind of the, I mean, it's been the news of the country for the past week or so, but uh, kind of take me back to when, when when you first heard about what happened to George Floyd, kind of walk me through what kind of went through your mind and, you know, how, how, how this process has kind of, you know, either ignited something within you or related to you in any way. 
I'm not sure that we ignited anything I've seen it before. I think we've seen it as, as a country, which is very unfortunate. But I, I think the only thing that that, is, that has helped me, and I, I can't speak for anyone else, uh, you, you get to a point when, when you're exhausted by it, uh, uh, and, and you just uh, – this is, this is hard for me to say, and it's just the truth because I, I want to be honest here, but you, uh, I, I remember being back in you know California when Colin Kaepernick took a knee, and you, know, you saw it, you understood it. It had nothing to do with a flag, but you understood uh, why he was kneeling. At least I understood it. And you know, but you're coaching the team. You have you have another game. You have a practice. You can sit behind the scenes and say that's messed up. Why would they do that? I'm not watching the football game. You can do all those things, but that's all I did. And I think self-preservation took over at that point because, again, uh, being able to provide for your family, not only for my family but other loved ones. You know, you might have nephews and nieces that are going to college. You, you're assisting in those other areas. You're assisting people. It's more than just you. So I, I really feel like that more than anything stopped me from being, having a presence in that situation because I understood what he was doing, and, and I supported that. And I just think this time around, this is this is allowed the whole world to see the lives and allowed time to stop. So everybody, George Floyd was murdered. Uh, that, that was a tough, tough thing to watch. And, and I'm not sure if you can watch that and say anything else but murder. And that, that was hard. I just said you you have to take a stand. And, and, and it's more to it than, than talking about this right now. That it does action and, and there's no more for me behind the scenes action. We, we have to, we have to be a part of this as a country. We all are part of this. The situation has nothing to do with color. Uh, that, that was violent, and, and in my opinion, that was murder. And I think a person with a good heart and a good spirit that, that loves, you felt the same way. It's very unfortunate. I understand that. You, you put out a statement on social media on Sunday morning, and one part of it that kind of just connected with me is that uh, kind of in the second paragraph, he said, quote, I'm a husband, I'm a parent, and a leader of inspiring black men. We shouldn't have to live in fear. Enough is enough. You know, is it this time around you kind of feel because of the just Wednesday morning, this process has been going on for a week. You know, we're kind of at the point now where, I mean, those protests are only growing larger and peaceful protests are only growing larger. What is it about, you think, this time around, you kind of mentioned it before, but, but the whole world kind of seeing whatever racial injustice African-Americans might feel. What, what, what is it specifically about this time you think is defining kind of these protests? I think, um, in, in my opinion, what, I, what I'm seeing in these protests now is what I had a chance to experience when I was in California, or what I heard about in California, mainly in the Bay Area. When they would protest, uh, you would oftentimes see more white people protested than you would see blacks, but they were protesting, you know, black rights or maybe black issues. And and when I first saw that, I was amazed by it. Even though I read about it in books, I maybe saw it from afar, I was amazed by it. And I think you're starting to see that now in the South, in the Midwest, and out East. And I don't think those things that we really saw, when you had black and white together saying this is wrong. And I think that's where you're starting to make strides, and we're making progress country. I think that, you know, I, I guess beauty uh, in a chaotic situation, in a destructive situation, if you will. It really is unfortunate that it took an event like George Floyd for some people to, to see that. 
Um, and it's it's not the first case, you know, in this country close to it. I mean, I lived in Baltimore when Freddie Gray happened. Um, I mean, you can name all the other names that are kind of just out there in the community now, Philando Castile, Tamir Rice, you know, and there wasn't even um, – Ahmaud Aubrey happened recently too. So – or Arbery, excuse me. Um, just it, growing up and, and, and kind of just put put me into kind of the world of, of, of what it's like to grow up as, as a minority, as an African-American. I mean, is there a way that maybe your mother or anything like that kind of talk to you about this is how you deal in adverse situations such as talking to police, make sure something doesn't happen wrong? Or is there a lesson in that way you passed along to your kids? Oh, yeah. Well, again, uh, where, where I sit right now, and, and, and I'll give you context and hopefully I'll ask that question, but don't please ask me again. But where I sit now, I sit in somewhat of a place of privilege and also how my kids grew up. So they didn't grow up how my wife and I grew up. But I, I think one thing that you have to look at in all Sometimes the, the worst part of fear, when you have fear, is there's no one you can talk to. And, and I can go back to my mom, and I talked to my mom about this stuff more than ever. Didn't much as a young guy because you didn't know it, but um, when, when you're a young mother and you're raising kids and, and you're constantly praying, especially in East St. Louis because we have some tough situations there when you're praying that your kid comes home safely. And that's, that has, we all know, every man, Boy and girl, when you deal with love, stress, fear, and anxiety, and what it does to your body, just just even if it's sports, what it does to your body. Now, can you imagine feeling that way, not knowing if tomorrow would present itself, or not knowing if your son would come home? Those are scary, scary feelings. And uh, and my mom, she would say, you know, like she said all the time, being hopeless is a scary feeling. And then the other thing is, we we had a Zoom call, and you might have heard of a red me talking about this. We, we do Zoom calls with, with my side of the family on Sundays. And my mom said, you know, the word sorry uh, cannot bring my son back. It cannot bring him back. It cannot bring a mother's son back. The word sorry, I made a mistake. It happened. And then she just said, you know, she would always pray for a protective fence around, you know, and now it's, it's deeper than that because it, well, she, had a, she had a younger brother, so it was him. And now she has sons and grandsons and nephews, and of course her nieces as well. And it was just, uh, you know, it, it, it was it was constant. But again, she she didn't harp on that. She didn't raise us to understand being aware of the police. Their body. It, it wasn't like that. It was just things that you saw, things you witnessed, and plus how she grew up. I mean, she grew up in the '60s, so she grew up in that world. Though she was in St. Louis, she grew up in it. So, but she didn't she didn't teach us to hate it. No, it, it wasn't about that. It was just being aware of your and uh, obviously you, you coach, you know, 18 to 22 year olds, and you've done that for a while now. To see that um, some of your players and some players in other sports from Mizzou are taking part in the peaceful protests going on in Columbia, does that bring pride to you? Is that is that a good thing in your opinion? Uh, you protest. I, I think that's that's your human right. I think you protest how you feel. Of course, I would I would always try to stay away from violence in the protest. You don't want violence, and of course, you don't want looting. So you want to stay away from those things. But I think that that is, that is part of your human right. If you feel the need to protest, that is your right. That's all races. Doesn't matter if it's a black race or what. If you feel that way, then feel that. The only thing I would say in all of that, try to be responsible. Uh, be aware of your surroundings. Uh, Stay away from harming people or, or harming your community. If you live in that community, because I, I live in this community right here. Don't for me, St. Louis, Columbia is my home. I live here, so I don't want to see my home being harmed and trash. So you, I, I would pray that you do it 
where nobody gets wrong. I got you. And, and you know, I, I think you just, just from my own personal perspective, I, I mean, I don't know what it's like to be African-American, but what do you hope people who maybe uh, every white person kind of is privileged to, to a sense? And just what do you hope that maybe all all the people who maybe have not gone through a similar experience to what these protests have are about and all that racial injustice kind of get out of this experience and it, it might be better for everyone moving forward? What do you kind of hope to see out of all of this? Well, uh, what we I made this clear, and I should have made it clear when I first started speaking to you. This, this is not, at least for me, this is not a black against white. That's, that's not what this is about. Mm-hmm. I think this is everybody with good spirits, good heart, loving people against racism. So that, that's what we have to make clear. And I think the other thing is, you know, we... we, we let's follow up with, well, all lives matter. And I'm with both of those, but, but understanding for the people that say all lives matter, it doesn't matter when a black person is murdered. It, it, that can't be a hashtag. So you should be outraged when a black person is murdered if all lives truly matter. So that, if that means that then when the black lives and people are everybody should have enough space to protest if all lives truly matter, which they do matter. But understanding these are in most cases murdered by police officers. so at least respect the fact that what people Coach, you still there? Yes. Sorry, we, we, he called, kind of dropped out there for a moment. Uh, I just want to make sure uh, people understand, because I, I think I heard it on my end, but the audio kind of didn't pick it up as well. I just kind of want to, you know, you, it kind of went a little bit out there when you kind of were saying with, with how the Black Lives Matter and All Lives Matter movement kind of kind of correlate. I just want to make sure everybody can hear and, and if you want to repeat some of the things you just said to make sure because it sounds like a really important point that you just made just in terms of how people should be outraged. I want I want to make sure people get that point because it sounded okay. like something rather important. Can you hear me now? I can hear you now perfectly. Yes, and get okay. audio picking up. Yes. Okay, I think what we what we have to understand and, it, and it's very important to understand when when. Black Lives Matter, you see the hashtag. And then there's probably something follow up behind it says all lives matter, which I agree with both. Black Lives Matter, yes. And that means it's murdered. If a, a person is murdered of another religion, it's murdered. It matters to all of us. All lives matter. With that being said, when there's a protest, that means everybody's protesting. We don't have enough space in the streets because everybody's outraged because a life matters. That person's life matters to all of us, all walks of life. And I think that's what we have to get better at. Other lives do not matter. If you're really paying attention, most cases, black boys and black men are being murdered by the hands, of, in a lot of cases, police officers. So that's what they're really talking about. So I just say really try to respect what these people are going through because it's a real issue. So, so, sounds good. And uh, just, just do, do you think that, you know, just w- when you look at what's going on right now, uh, it's just, just is, it, is there, you think that, you sound like they're still hopeful. That, that that 
everyone can learn from this. I mean, there's something to be learned here and a lesson to be learned here. You, it sounds maybe that's just your nature as a coach to instruct and to lead and to see the good in things, but it, you, you, it sounds like you're rather hopeful for the situation that that America either will be better off because of the situation or whatever racial injustices might be more, everyone, everyone might be more aware of what's going on. Is that is that correct to say? Oh, without, without question, we could change. There's no doubt in my mind that I'm on earth long enough. And I think at the end of the day, we, we have to plant the seed. The seed, you have to allow players, you, you want the loaf of bread right now. In order for that a long time. It takes a long time. Now, when that loaf of bread, that bread is gone. We, what we're going through right now, it's gone. But we have to plant seed and allow that tree to grow. And then it's a time. Gotcha, and uh, thank you for your time so much, Coach, today. I'll, I'll leave you this kind of final question. With uh, We'll get back to kind of a basketball sense, and I know it's, this stuff is not easy to talk about, but it feels like a very needed conversation to kind of talk about. So I appreciate you being so open, uh, and I know you have a lot going on right now, so I appreciate you being open with us. Uh, one, just one kind of, I get getting back to the basketball question for you here. Uh, you know, just kind of when, I, I know things, things kind of went awry kind of in Nashville, and you get to play in the SEC tournament. Uh, but you guys, when you look back at your 2019-2020 season, how are you going to best remember that, and how excited are you for whenever it's re- it is time to get back on the court to just finally get that chance to you know resume on court activities? Oh, very excited, man! I know, like a uh, and it, it's going on, I guess, the third year. If we're healthy, and my team was as good as anybody in the league. Aspect, but also the progressive program. I like how guys grew up. I thought down the stretch, I thought as a guard combo was the best in the conference. And I don't, I don't think that's great. I thought those guys down the stretch, last nine games, did a great job. We, the biggest things for us, and, and our players know this, we have to improve at finishing at the rim. That's most important. Finishing at the rim. We have to uh, make those open threes in the corner because we, we shot a good percentage, just didn't make quite enough. And then we have to continue to get to the free throw line. We did a great job shooting free throws. And on the defensive side of the ball, to improve our our pace on offense, we have to do a better job of not fouling because I think that takes us out of our momentum. When we're on defense, it, it takes away our flow on the offensive side of the ball. And I, I think our guys understand that. They've matured. And I think they're ready and excited to get back. All right, thanks. Once again, that was Conzo Martin, head coach of Missouri men's basketball. He'll be entering – I mean, I, hopefully basketball starts on time. I think it'll be a, a hopeful, hopefully scenario where we're not talking about that come this winter. But he'll be entering a sports season at Mizzou. Conzo, thanks so much as always, and thanks thanks for all the hope you always provide us here at the Tribune. Uh, hope you hope you stay safe, and we'll catch up soon. Thank you for having me, Eric. We would like to thank our sponsors for the Mizzou Sports Podcast, University of Missouri Healthcare. University of Missouri Healthcare is proud to be the official sponsor of MU Athletics. Blue Events. Let Blue create your perfect event. 
Their passion for food, service, and presentation ensures that you will have a seamless and memorable event, no matter the size. They will work with you to bring your vision to life. Phyllis Nichols, State Farm Insurance. There when things go wrong, here to help life go right. And now back to our podcast. Thank you once again to Conzo Martin for joining us on the Missouri Sports Podcast. I mean, I know he has numerous interview requests right now, and obviously with all the protests going on with after the murder of George Floyd and everything like that, it was definitely nice of him to take even a little bit out of time for our, for our little podcast here. Uh, and, you know, just it, it's, it's the talk not only of because you, you saw just since mid-March how coronavirus has, you know, just been the, the top news story across the world, and everything relates to that. For the type of you know civil you know just unrest or whatever you want to call it um, that's been going on in the country, you know for that for that to be supplanted, it has to show such a serious topic. Um, you know, full disclosure. I mean, I, I'll, I'll give Langston the floor here for a little while. You hear enough of my voice. Um, I'm 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 a white East Coast Jew. You know, I'm sure some some part of my life is privileged, and you know I, I, that hasn't gone unrecognized until recently, but. Langston, if you want to tell me a little bit about your background and you'll get into whatever you feel comfortable sharing, I, I thought I'd give you this opportunity. Yeah, um, well, just a little disclosure, I'm African-American male, 22, just graduated from college um, before coming to Columbia uh, to attend the Mizzou J School. I lived in Tampa, Florida for four years, and then before that, I ran some Germany, and then before that, one Robins, Georgia. So I've been around a lot. I've seen, you know, different communities. Um but when it comes to the death of George Floyd and everything that's kind of transpired after that, it's really disheartening. And, you know, it starts, you know, on Twitter. Uh, that's a place where you and I both really got to go for any type of news, but specifically sports. And then you see the video floating around. And it, I know the decision for me or the kind of question for me is, do I watch that video? Um, you see the commentary, you see the quote tweets, and, you know, you kind of already see the outrage surrounding it. But then you have to make a decision, do I want to watch, you know, a police officer kill George Floyd? And, you know, I decided to watch it. And then in that moment, you just feel helpless um, because, you know, I personally haven't had any, you know, run-ins with the, the law or the police, but that could have easily been me. Um, and so in that moment, when you watch that video, all you can really think to yourself is, you know, I'm lucky that I haven't been in that situation, but that easily can be me. That could easily be some of my friends. That could easily be some of my family members. Um, and so the protests began to happen after that. And I think it's been beautiful um, to see so many people, so many diverse groups of people come out and support and really demand justice for what happened to George Floyd. Unfortunately, there's been looting and other things um, kind of associated with those protests, but I think it's more important at this time to really focus on what this really started as and, you know, what it really comes down to is uh, African-Americans all across the country, you know, they want to be treated as equals. They want to be treated with rights. And hopefully coming from this, when someone says Black Lives Matter, you know, regardless of how you feel about the police or about the situation, you don't get upset and respond with something like All Lives Matter. You understand that when someone, you know, protests or when someone says Black Lives Matter, it's not to devalue or disrespect any other person of any other race, sexual orientation, gender, but it's to highlight 
injustices against black people in our communities and to place a higher value or to place awareness on black lives because a lot of people in this country and you can see from the protests all across the nation all across the world when it comes to this and the aftermath of george floyd is you know people in this country really don't feel like police or people in power value black lives and so i hope that's what comes out of this not only uh police reform but people really take back take a step back have some empathy and really realize that there's a lot of people in this country that really don't believe that black lives are valued and i know this is a you know a long-winded uh kind of speech here but i mean that's what it basically comes down to the protests everything surrounding about that the responses from politicians from corporations from teams it's great that coaches like coach martin are speaking out against this because you know a person in his situation his stature same thing with uh coach Shrinkowitz. you know they have an opportunity to affect the minds the hearts and the lives of a lot of young men and they should use this opportunity to speak out and to be against racism and to stand up for people in their community, regardless of their race or gender or sexual orientation as well. So I don't really know where I'm going for this, uh, with this as a lot of rambling, but you know, the last week, week and a half has really kind of been tough because you have to sit down and, you know, when it's brought to the forefront like this and national media on Twitter, everywhere you look, you really have to sit down and confront a lot of things that, you know, maybe you wouldn't want to talk about, or maybe you wouldn't want to think about, but there's a lot of things going on in America that aren't right, and hopefully these protests can lead to something different. Well, I appreciate you sharing that, Langston, and and plenty of that is we is stuff I talked about with Conzo as well. Um, and it's nice to hear kind of two not different viewpoints, but you know, just because Conzo isn't exactly uniform with in, in saying the exact same thing you are. It's definitely productive and definitely you know a needed conversation despite how tough it is. But it's nice to hear where you come from and then his vantage point as well. And I'll apologize in advance. I know we had a tiny bit of audio difficulties during that, but I thought it was nice to, without editing, post the raw file. Just here's exactly what Kondo said to me. I didn't even touch it. I just took off the part where I said hello at the beginning uh, that was not part of the interview and the part of the, at the end where we said goodbye. The entire rest of the interview, I left completely 100% intact. And I thought that that was the right thing to do, despite any type of, you know, poor reception on my end, phone reception, that is, on my end or his end. Uh, you know, just I, I thought that was the right thing to do. But now, I mean, this is the Mizzou Sports Podcast. Uh, that's enough. Uh, that, that's that's a good amount of heavy stuff. And I know that a lot of you don't listen to talk about protests. This is, might be an escape for some of you, but it's a needed topic. So we'll get into some of the Mizzou stuff that's kind of happening. I know there hasn't been any active sports since March. I haven't attended. I don't think a live sporting event that I've covered since actually Mizzou softball, who won against Ole Miss the Sunday before everything shut down. I went to a Mizzou football spring practice that Monday um, where I talked to Trey Williams, the the Rockbridge uh, standout who uh, played with Mizzou football, but obviously had a little bit of trouble with um, the law, but has gotten over that. Um, Since then, I wrote a story about that, and then everything kind of went awry as I drove from Columbia to Nashville that Wednesday, and everything happened that Thursday. I think it was March 12th. So there hasn't been much sports going on since then. Uh, I know some local high schools and stuff are starting to play summer league baseball, but you know, just uh, there's not a whole lot of active Mizzou stuff to talk about, other than that 
athletes in football, men's basketball, and women's basketball are returning to campus on a voluntary basis starting June 8th. Uh, we, talk, we touched on that with Conzo. But essentially, I mean, you know, there's going to be social distancing guidelines in place, and the head coaches really aren't really even going to be – I don't want to say that much involved. It is their program. I mean, they can watch, but they're not actively – and Conzo said this better than I am, but, you know, just they're not actively, like, just, just o- overseeing what's going on. They're, they're not actively like, okay, this is the lift you need to do now. That's not what's happening here. So it's a return, but, it, but, but there's still several steps to go to get back to the sport that, you know, we all, you know, knew at the end of February. Yeah, the SEC and the NCAA's plan is still in place for football to be on time to start this fall. Uh, Mizzou season opener is September 5th against Central Arkansas, and none of that appears to be moved as of this very moment. Um, you know, just, I guess, uh, I'll bring Linkson in on this. You know, just, just do you think it's too early? Do you think it's the right time to bring people back? Or what are your thoughts on that? I was actually at uh, Rockbridge versus Hickman, their opener for summer ball yesterday, and it was really interesting to see you see the extra measures taking place with, you know, different balls, sanitizing, you know, different areas. Um, but you kind of still see the like instincts of players to go for the high fives, to go for the fist bumps, and then in that split second you see them raise their hands and they jerk it back real quick. So it's going to take some time. Um, but if you know CPS and if you know the SEC feels comfortable with what they've gotten from people a lot smarter than you know you and I, whether that's from the mm-hmm. CDC or from local health officials, they feel like that's best then to come back. Then that's what they're going to do. Uh, do I think it's too soon? I really, I have no idea was, you know, increase in cases come up. I mean, that's more of a product of, you know, increase in testing. So I feel like there's just a lot of stuff that we still don't know about this, but I, I, I can't lie. It was very exciting to, you know, go to Hickman yesterday and see, you know, kids play baseball. It, it was a beautiful day and, and they're happy. I was happy to see it. And hopefully they can do that in a way that continues to allow these kids to be safe and the coaches as well. Yeah, that was my reaction to, like, I mean, when you look at the voluntary nature, I've said this on the radio, but when you look at the voluntary nature of what these college athletes are going to do, I don't see it being an issue uh, with the two basketball teams. There's enough space spread out and there's enough time in between their season where, you know, and they kept head coaches in Conzo and Robin Pinchton where there's some time that they can adjust. They have some grace time where, you know, they can really get into the swing of things. Football really doesn't have that liberty because they're still trying to build a new culture with new head coach Elia Drinkwitz. They are, you know, at the end of the day, their their team is much larger. There's 81 scholarship players down from the 85 due to the NCAA sanctions, which are lasting this year. But, you know, there's – when voluntary workouts happen, and this is kind of your first chance to impress a new head coach, if you add walk-ons, you add support staff, and you add trainers and – I think there's going to be about 100 people in that gym. How, how do you – I mean, for those who have been in the Matsy, know how large that gym is, but 100 people still in a space like that is uh, – I, I think that there's going to be proper, you know, uh, just guidelines are going to be taken, and that's why I wanted to talk to you, and I've tra- I'm trying to set up an interview right now with Zach Woodfin from Mizzou Football, the new strength and conditioning coach, of just what are you expecting when these kind of two worlds collide that – might bump into each other a little bit of trying to do the right thing health-wise, but the volunteer workouts are happening and you're, no, you're three months away from the season and you lost a, some valuable opportunities. What What's going to give 
And I know the answer is that the guidelines are going to win out and you're going to have to sacrifice a little bit of that training for some people to make sure that you're not infecting the team with coronavirus or anything like that, make sure health risks don't come into play. I mean, Oklahoma State just today announced the three players have tested positive for coronavirus and they're quarantining even though they're asymptomatic and they're stopped not letting the freshmen who are on the, on the team come by. It'd be a horrible situation if the same thing happened at Mizzou. So just it'd be interesting to kind of see what has kind of transpired and what will tra- what what's going on to see how Mizzou is going to kind of balance the, okay, we have to get back to winning football games because that's why Elijah Ringwitz is here and he's been, you know, that, that, that's what he's doing. But, what I mean, kind of bringing everything full circle, I mean, the well-being, regardless of whether it's a protest or whether it's the, we're still living in the middle of a pandemic, has to be for this program of how are you going to take care of the kids? And so that's just a kind of a balance in multiple different factors that we're kind of all seeing right now. Exactly. And, you know, safety of the, the student-athletes is always going to be at the forefront. And, you know, what's kind of scary about the situation is when they begin on July 8th, we really might not know the cost of starting that for, you know, a few days, maybe a few weeks. Um, there could be asymptomatic carriers. I'm not really sure about, you know, what they're doing testing-wise as kids, or excuse me, as student-athletes return to campus. But, I mean, it's something that I believe that um, the SEC, um, Zoo's athletic director of Wade, and if they feel comfortable making that decision, then that's what they feel comfortable with, and we'll kind of have to wait and see what comes out of this. Right, and, and the return to campus is June 8th. It's actually this coming Monday. And so, yeah, just uh, that's a good question. What's it going to look like? What are the costs? Well, I guess you'll have to tune in the next episode of the Mizzou Sports Podcast. Uh, I, you know, I, I, I'm not exactly sure, but, you know, Better now, and that's the only thing I can take from this, is it's better that it's happening now when they're, you're not, like, just backed up against a wall here where, you know, it's like, okay, we're starting in August and we got to figure it out now. I'm kind of happy they're actually doing it this far out because if there is an issue, there is time to fix it. And there is some leeway where, you know, if you commit to that September 5th date, it's not like you're going to be endangering the players, even if there is no crowds or whatever is going to take place. You're Then there's time to figure out, where the hole in the system is. And I think that that's probably the, the silver lining of this entire situation of this is, this is not going to go perfect. Something is going to go wrong. I, I'm almost willing to guarantee that because of just how no one kind of knows the enemy of, of coronavirus in its current form of what it looks like. So something is going to go wrong. It's just a matter of when that happens, fix it. And I think that that's as interesting as anything because I've said in the past, and I, I'm still a firm believer of it, the conversation now is shifted from whether we're going to have a college football season to what it looks like instead of just, oh, Missouri not, might play some games. I'd, I'd be shocked if all 12 games don't get into the regular season at this point. So, yeah, anything to add, Langston? I know we, we didn't touch on some other stuff with the NBA draft not having their, uh, you know, withdrawal date for underclassmen pushed back. Three, three Mizzou players are in the process still, and Xavier Pinson, although he's heavily expected to return, Jeremiah Tillman and Mitchell Smith as well. Mizzou basketball added a couple of weeks ago Ed Chang and Drew Buggs to replace Trey Jackson and Mario McKinney, the two players who transferred out. So, yeah, that's kind of a quick catch-up episode and return episode here of the Mizzou Sports Podcast. I don't want this to be too long here, but, yeah, anything to add, Langston, before we uh, we, we say goodbye to podcast land? No, I think, uh, one, I just want to thank you for having me on. And, yeah, two, that's, I think that's really everything we, we've got so far. Yeah. 
Uh, our sports editor, Kevin Grayler, will contribute still. I know he was my uh, co-host for a lot of the last year of this uh, podcast, and he usually gives us the outro of uh, for the Mizzou Sports Podcast. Until next time, well, I'll, I guess I'll, I'll, I'll give Langston the outro here. You, whatever outro you want of see you next time or whatever, you say it, and we'll cut the tape. All righty. Uh, thanks to you for your <laughs> thank you for your readership, and see you next time.